You're listening to A Jiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week we caught up with Mr. Cocky himself, Roberto Bava, who chats about his wineries, the recent vermouth explosion, and of course, Cocky itself. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats really became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. I'm Roberto Bava, come from Italy. I have great passions. One of these is uh, wine. I love sparkling wine. And vermouth, yes. Uh, chocolate is another passion. So I'm, I'm an Italian with a lot of passions. Thank you very much for finding the time to see each other here in uh, beautiful Singapore during a Singapore Cocktail Festival. How, how did you get along during the festival? It was uh, fantastic because I didn't expect this. I mean, uh, it was fun. I mean, normally it's fun, but uh, it's heavy. This was... Uh, delightful and light but serious i met uh, all my friends of the industry i didn't expect this it's a quite busy couple of uh, weeks nowadays but it's great fun because everybody gets to come over right so tell us a little bit about you uh, we know you as mr cocky but cocky is not your surname so how did you get there well well i come from uh, from a long story in piemonte my family has been growing uh, grapes for well 300 years <laughs> 300 years is a lot we are a wine grower and we own and run a winery a family winery called bava b-a-b-a and 40 years ago my my father entered and joined the cocky family and then we we took over so we also are you know the winery we call it cocky which you are probably the one you you like better as a, a bartender, bartender. but sommelier i guess uh, would love better bava because of barolo barbera it's a great wine from piemonte cocky is a quite recent thing is it i mean at least how vermouth exploded oh well cocky is a very young company uh, established 128 years ago <laughs> <laughs> i got on board i was just got a degree in marketing at uh, Turin University. And I found myself to be 20 years old and be in, in top of uh, one of the oldest uh, sparkling winery and vermouth uh, producer in Italy. It was quite uh, an exercise at that time. All my team were average 60, 70 years old, and I was 20. So it was quite challenging, but phenomenal. And uh, until then, I, I've been a day manager, CEO, how do you want to call it? So I, I never got a real career. I've been the CEO forever of a small winery in Asti, uh, just next to Torino. Tell us a bit more, because I'll do the brand is a lot of history. I started to work with Koki for the first time in Savoy Hotel, so that was probably... 2012 but before that i mean at least from a global reach it wasn't very very popular right because vermouth just exploded as a category well, yeah, very recently actually we have been always existing i mean cocky was uh, in 1910 uh, mr cocky had uh, 13 bars around the world uh, one was even in caracas and one was in addis uh, abeba in uh, in uh, africa so i mean cocky was a cool name since the beginning of last century the question is where were you? Because we that's have been. Also, that's also very popular. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have been uh, making Americano. Mr. Cock invented the, the Americano. It was 1891. And since then, it's never been stopped. So, so it's a product that goes back like a monument uh, in, in the taste of Italy. And vermouth also. And I would mention also Barolo Chinato, which is a, a rare category in the vermouth, almost vermouth family. So let's say a super rich vermouth, if you want to see it like this. And they've been there forever. 
The point is that we discontinued uh, in, in the 80s the production of vermut because it was such a poor market. We, we, we couldn't uh, fit uh, in a market selling few cents a bottle. I mean, if you put together the wine, the cost of the bottle, the, the, the whole exercise, uh, our price uh, was too high. So we couldn't understand how it could happen. This was the 80s and the 90s. Then we came back uh, saying, hey, we wanted to come back with that same vermouth, asking for the price it deserved. And the price was higher at that point, no more today, but uh, compared to an uh, entry-level price, this was double. So we had to create a new category uh, of a premium vermouth. And this was really a cocky exercise for at least one or two years. Then, thanks to God, we got together all the colleagues, all the new producers, the old producers. So I'm so happy that we, we, we are almost a family trying to generate a new identity of Vermouth. So the big guys, the small guys, we all are working together in, in, in a good feeling. What made it possible for Vermouth to come back into like a premium form? I have a very precise idea because this is my life in the last 10 years. And when we met, it was the beginning of it. So you, you are also one of these, uh, uh, you have a role in this recent history, like the Savoy and all, all, the, all the super bar in, in the world at the time. Um, so I have a precise idea. I believe that what was the game-changing situation was, first of all, Internet, who spread around the world uh, ideas and information. And also the, the boom of the cocktail uh, renaissance, in a way, I would also give a role to the vintage style of cocky, where I, uh, it's, a, it's a very nice, it's a cool design, it's, everything is cool in it. But even more, your generation. A generation bringing on the market passion, and I always uh, do a parallel with uh, Chef. A chef doing miles and miles uh, to, to get a special salad or a kind of onion or what else. You did the same. I've seen things like... Uh, suitcase import of our bottles everywhere from passionate bartender doing it because they really need to add that, that specific ingredient and that specific ingredient for us was uh, the new Vermo di Torino it was the Cocchi Americano it was the Barolo Chinato etc so your generation a renaissance internet so spreading the news and, and quality tell us a little bit about the corporate structure behind Cocchi because it's three brothers right I mean I like to use well, the word corporate structure but well, thank you. Um, <laughs> let's say that uh, <laughs> board of directors is is done at the breakfast, <laughs> and we also have. <laughs> well, anyway, um, my my brother Paolo, he is the botanist and the, and the wine maker. He's expert in this. He's, he's a great uh, expertise. He he's a real grower. So don't forget, both sparkling wine and vermouth uh, are grape. So you need to start from that, and we are. Um, Giulio, my second brother, is more keen on sparkling wine. He's very, very serious about it. Uh, he's the champagnista of the situation. And uh, he also runs some market, like the Italian market. And I am the, 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 the general manager, but doing also marketing. I would say that we have now a, a new great support from my daughter, Francesca. She she's uh, young. She entered as a marketing director, and she's very very effective. So so we are already in the next generation. Considering that we also have my father, who's still on board, eighty six years old, and doing the financial side. He's very focused on this. It's a good team. Of course, we have uh, an extra two or three people in the cellar, plus uh, a few people in the in the botanist side. And what would surprise you is that we are less than. That's around 15 people. 
okay. and we are worldwide. <laughs> I didn't know it was just 15 of you. Yeah. Let's yeah. include the wine side. Yes. Interesting. Talk to us a little bit about the wine side of the Bava business. Well, Bava is, is a little, uh, let's say that internationally has been around for more because wine from Italy and from Piemonte specifically have always been very, very popular. So I like to say that we are now in Singapore. I, we were in Singapore since the end of the 80s, uh, supplying the Italian restaurant, etc. Uh, but we, we have been around for longer. So I would say that the, the, the spread around of, of Koki was, uh, was supported by the, the knowledge of the market of the, of the Bava, uh, but it was more a wine market, but at least we knew the market. So, so we were, we are now today from Russia to, to US, to Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, Laos. We still miss Malaysia for a reason, but uh, Thailand. Uh, so we, we, we are on the market. We don't sell, we build the market. Okay. And uh, the winery is based in the village of Coconato. Could you tell us about uh, the metropolitan city of... Uh... Well, more than a metropolitan city, we are an independent republic. <laughs> we are uh, 1,599 people. I guess probably we can fit in one of these buildings yeah, of the village crazy, and yeah. the mayor on top of it. And uh, 25 uh, different origins. So we have Swiss uh, people, we have Albanian people, we have... Uh, well, we miss the Mexican. But it's a small village in top of a hill known for, for having probably some of the best truffle, white truffles, uh, to have uh, salami, cheese, uh, and of course, very good wine. So people come like a destination uh, all around. We are in the center of an area between Milano, Torino, and, and uh, Lange and Asti. So it's quite central, and um, it's really the center of the world, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so were you a bit surprised about how vermouth exploded as a category, but not really? Um, no, yes and no. It has been my uh, my recent life challenge. So if you if you put your passion in your twenty four hour a day, twenty five hour a day energy, you are not surprised. It's just a matter of planning the point. Um, I'm surprised how it came fast. Mm-hmm. I would say that my life has been a, a rush in the last 10 years. I'm jumping all I don't buy anyway more flight ticket. I take, I take a round-the-world ticket, uh, and, and that's my recent life. And, um, yeah, it has been faster because, uh, for the reason I told you, everything goes faster, but also the information and also the, the research for quality. So on several markets, you would find still today different level of knowledge. So it's true that you see an absolute beginner market, but you know how it will be because you've seen a medium market and a mature market. So you see, you understand immediately what will be the process of this market mm-hmm. for our category. And I think I'm the one who was really understanding because I'm, I'm in all of these markets, starting from the new beginner, building the, the perception of the product or the more sophisticated markets like this one you mentioned category a lot the category as we said is exploding like old brands are coming back into the market there are new brands coming out of it what steps did you take to make sure that there is a certain level of consistency right because vermouth is a category especially like vermouth di torino from that specific area has to have sort of a, a specific style am i correct Yes, you are. Uh, there's an European law that defines what, uh, what is an aromatized wine. And vermouth di Torino and vermouth are aromatized wine. So at least you know that 75% is wine plus the botanical, etc. 
but um, we wanted to be more specific with uh, the Torino because um, you, you are aware that uh, that the Piemonte and Torino and the, kin- the former kingdom of Savoy is really what you could call the kingdom of Vermouth. This is where Vermouth and this kind of product were born. Uh, at least they're talking about the modern uh, Vermouth. Modern in Europe means 300 years old anyway. So the, the funny story is that this kingdom uh, was split in two in uh, 1861, and part of it went to France and part went to Italy. So also Vermouth was split in two, and you start with two markets where Vermouth uh, was understood, made, made like you would do your homemade uh, liqueur. I mean, Vermouth was uh, easy and popular at that time. And then step by step with the, with the emigration, it went all around the world, especially the Italian went to South America. But um, what do we do today? Today we have a law, very specific, who protected the consumer and asked the producer to follow rules. And what's interesting is that these rules are controlled by the authorities. So no bullshit. It's like something parallel with uh, with the Parmigiano-Reggiano protection on any food in Italy. And we are very good in this in Italy to, to give this kind of protection. Um, so Vermouth will be under this. It doesn't happen with anything in our spirit industry because sometimes it's not possible to do it. But thanks to the precise origin of the place, Piemonte, thanks uh, to the geographical name of it, from now to the eternity, I hope, we'll be able to say Vermouth di Torino is made in this area with this botanical, with this alcohol. And if it doesn't work, someone check. So we we give a guarantee to, to the consumer and to the barman. Do you have any association that helps producers come together? Yes. Uh, it was formerly an institute, an institute of Vermo di Torino, and it's today a consortium. Consortium has a, has a more powerful role in the control. And I don't know if thanks to, to Koki being a little benchmark in this category today, or because of my, I don't know, passion or volunteering to work for free, <laughs> I, I'm serving as president <laughs> president of both uh, the uh, the institute and the consortium. I was voted by my colleagues. But I will say that this couldn't have been possible without really putting together around the table the big, the small, the old, the new. So it's And the new story is that... Uh, We'll also control what we call the filiera, which is all the step of the production. So all the ingredients will have a control. I'm talking about wormwood. Mm-hmm. So wormwood, wine, etc., going to a bottle of Vermodito Vino will have a control at the origin. So it's safe. And on the long run, in a pyramid, I always say, in a pyramid, in top of it, of the vermouth will be the Dito Vino. So we'll encourage uh, other origin also to follow us. And we'll be probably the benchmark of the old category because we are the oldest where the vermouth was invented and the first to have such a phenomenal way of control. Let's talk a little bit about Robert Bava the Man, but also about Koki as a company. You have a book, right? Like your publishers as well. Ah, yeah, definitely we, we are an out-of-the-box uh, company. I open a published company and I publish one book. And this is one of the story. Uh, and the book uh, is called The Futurist Mixology, who was a finalist at the Tales of the Cocktail in, in uh, New Orleans also. Uh, this talks about the vintage mixology of 1920s, 1940s in, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And it brings out of uh, the Italian boundaries a uh, vintage style of making cocktail very sensorial, unbelievable, very, I'm going to say, uh, 
pre-everything we do today, eight years ago, we were doing this. But we don't know. We didn't know. I mean, we only believe that we are Negroni and Spritz. There's so much more. So this was the reason why Koki wanted to enter this. And uh, we, we, we took on board a group of vintage producers. Started from Campari, Nardini Grappa, Pallini, Limoncello. All of these old names from, from Italy came on board. And all together we have the aim to, to spread around this style of, uh, of mixology. Very classy. Very interesting, by the way. So the best is yet to come in this side. And Koki also, we, we like to, to sponsor music. Uh, we like to do things different. A lot of research. We came out with an ice cream. <laughs> Uh, recently we released a jelly with vermouth, always with vermouth, of course. So we, we explore all the vermouth areas uh, because we really need to bring it back also to a whole generation who forgot it, like your, your mother and father probably. And um, yeah, we got deeper and deeper in, uh, in, in bringing vermouth to another level. Let's talk a little bit more about the book because uh, I think it's very interesting. Like, At what stage do you think now I need to write a book about this? Because it's a very obscure subject, so... Um, well, first of all, uh, I, I had uh, another passionate guy called Fulvio Piccinino, who's a, a writer, a bartender, and a teacher. And he's so deep in futurism. You know, futurism is, is an art wave in the 1920s in, in Italy and Europe. And he was so keen on this. And we were also belonging to this, uh, this time, because uh, if you see our rooster, the cocky rooster, the design is the graphic is very futurist. So we discovered that these uh, uh, artistic movement uh, they were making cocktail. And the funny story is that they were not barmen. They were architects. They were painters. They were musicians, poets, etc. So it was surprising, and even more surprising, these cocktails were good. Uh, so we said, okay, we have twenty original cocktails published. They even didn't call it cocktail. They had to call it polybibita because they couldn't use English. So, like multi-drink. Polybibita, and uh, they had to use uh, uh, original product. They had to be very sensorial. Uh, they invented to spray flavors uh, around the you and the cocktail. They had, um, they invented, a, they call it plastic, uh, plastico, but means a 3D uh, cocktail. So, with, uh, with the food that around it, they invented the side uh, what you, when you put uh, peanuts next to a, a glass of something, they invented in a much better way, and it was eight years ago. They had the colonial side uh, to go around, and you had to taste all the colonial product next to the product, etc., uh, etc. Et so, I mean, when a barman sees this, it's fascinating. It's, oh, I do it. It's, oh, they were doing it 100 years before you, and they were not barmen. So it's fascinating. We have been making 60 masterclasses around the world recently, bringing all these brands together and teaching uh, this style. It's like if you, if you discover a tiki style suddenly from nothing, but it's original. So, uh, again, it's, it's a little specific in a way, but seeing how fast we are going, I guess that people will be more and more curious. Uh, you want to be real, you want to be authentic, you want to be vintage, and this is where the futurist movement uh, was and still is. So, if you get the yellow book of the futurist cocktail, you would be surprised, and I know you, you, you know it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about chocolate. You said you love chocolate? Um, I have not many passion, but where I am, I must be very professional. Uh, and, uh, and chocolate is an addiction. 
1990, I, with a group of friends, we established the Compagnia del Chocolato, so the Italian Chocolate Society, which is like a, a sommelier association for chocolate or the consumer association for chocolate. At that time, chocolate was sold according to the color. You wanted black, you wanted white, <laughs> you know. Uh, we brought these uh, to percentage. You wanted 70% or you wanted less or more. So we then uh, went to a next step, teaching around, doing seminar, consulting. We've been consulting the Italian parliament, uh, the Vatican, oh, really? the Coca-Cola. Yeah, all of these things. Uh, the British American tobacco. Because chocolate was an unknown uh, object. And we have been inventing also and, and building the way to taste the chocolate, which is quite complex, uh, because chocolate is complex and simple in the same way. Uh, we have a competition as, uh, as the Italian Chocolate Society now going on for, I guess, at least 20 years. Very serious. You can't buy, you don't pay. And yes, we have fun. I would say that 65% of uh, girls, because there's a need of serotonin, and for some reason you still have... Uh, ladies waking up in the night and going and eat Nutella from the fridge. So they have a kind of addiction also, as I have, by, <laughs> by the way. So that I'm going back to, to, to it. So we brought the chocolate to the next step. The 70%, the origin was the next step. Do you want the chocolate from Madagascar or from uh, Venezuela? The varietals, uh, would you like uh, a, a Forastero or a Trinitario, a Criollo, etc.? And we are wondering, actually, I have, a, I have a tasting in London in a week, uh, what's next? I think next will be probably in the genetic more and more. We'll be very deep in this. Genetic may change. All the world is, 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 is now subject to this uh, OGM, GMO or not, yes, no, etc. So we'll, we'll see what's next. But we brought this scenario from colors to varietals in, in uh, 15 years, 20 years. In, I'm talking about Italy, but the movement is, is all around now. I mean, uh, I know Italian teach a lot in, in food, so we, we have been, uh, and we are the benchmark of uh, a lot of these things. You mentioned that chocolate is quite new, but I mean, what, I mean, what makes it new? Like, surely at some point people must have understood what 70%, 80% means, or do you think it's something that was never well, taken to this extent? I have extent? a clear perception that uh, in, in the 70s and the 80s, uh, chocolate was a commodity. Uh, you want some milk, you want some chocolate, you want some uh, bread. There was no need to be very specific because we were not very specific. The more we go on, the more we go deeper, and the more we want information, and the more we know what we like, the less we go back. So once you taste a next step chocolate, you don't want to go back to, to the Mickey Mouse chocolate. Ah, I tell you, it's a, it's a, it's a human attitude. And it's the same, same for vermouth. I mean... Once you discover the good vermouth, oh, come on, you don't go back to the Mickey Mouse vermouth. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, that, I mean, that. I have a clear vision of this. It has been, uh, it has been going on crossing categories uh, for the last 30 years. So, in a way, we have a good hope. And the best is yet to come. Fantastic stuff. You mentioned something about music, and I know that you do, like, some jazz dinners with wine. Yeah, the approach of, of the Bava winery, but even the Koki, but mainly the Bava winery was very uh, against sensorial. So in the 80s, we, we started to understand that, especially approaching new markets, you had to, to use the right language. And uh, we are not all sommelier, but we like what we like. So how do we approach a product where you have no specific information, 
but you want to know how it is you want to understand if you like it tasting is a good is a good step of course so the more you taste the more you understand you make your own uh, flavors uh, range in your brain and uh, and uh, music was one of these uh, scenario we added music to the tasting trying to see if we could explain the taste to the sound so acidic sound body sound sweet sound etc etc so uh, i started to have uh, music in the cellar live music asking people to taste and interacting with the musician how do you play this chardonnay how do you play this barolo of course probably white wine were more on wind instrument because cold fresh crispy and red wine were more on strings instrument if i if i are familiar with wine you would say that barolo is more on the violin side because of the acidity so high notes and barolo is more on on the back so barbier is, is the acidity and barolo is the body so you would go in the body with the lower notes low 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 like uh, a double bass uh-huh. but still eclectic because double bass can be jazz and can be uh, super classic so this is barolo super wine big bolded but also ethereal and elegant why did you host these dinners all over the world i mean we have two music uh, concert hall in <laughs> it's too big to say concert hall but we can host 100 people in, in the winery, <laughs> and we have a stage for, for musicians. If you go on the Bava TV, on, uh, on, uh, you, you will find, on Bava.com, you will find the, the Bava TV, and you have music. And we, we did a lot of uh, concept uh, dinner, may, uh, a lot around Asia, I would say. So the approach, like 10, 15 years ago in, in China, the beginning of the market was, uh, okay, you may not need to know the dry extract or the pH of a wine, how about if we play a violin here for you and you understand that this wine is a, like a sinusoid flavor, this wine is so thin, flowers, etc. I mean, Allegro, what would you link Allegro and talking about the wine? What would you say, Allegro? Light, Sparkling. Yeah. So, so, um, so Allegro is, is not a wine term, it's music. But mm-hmm. you use the music to explain the wine. Um, adagio. How can it be a sparkling wine, Adagio? I mean, Adagio is a Chateau Margot, is a Barolo, is a Marone. So, in a way, you see that we have been using music like a bridge, meta language, they call it. Uh, so, it's a bridge between two different languages. And, and this was a good way to approach new markets, more sensorial, more intellectual, if you want, but also very simple. Are you planning to do the same with cocktails? I haven't done it yet. Cocktails are complex. They come from a world of complexity. Uh, some ingredients themselves are very complex. I mean, vermouth is very often 30 different botanicals in it. I would say that what put together and make a parallel between uh, maybe a vermouth and a cocktail or the music and the cocktail is really the concept of balance. You have to balance all the ingredients. What is an orchestra if not the balance of the strongest sound and the thin? I mean, there's uh, there's a flute and there's maracas or, or double bass in a, in, a, in a concert, but they all go to a perfect, uh, elegant uh, balance. So this is what you do, Michele, in, uh, when you do a cocktail. I know, you, I see you. You try to balance. You also always move like a dancer sometimes. But uh, uh, ballerina. ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's all about balancing. And when we do a vermouth, I always joke on what a vermouth should taste like. It should taste of 
the mood. So the perfect balance. If you taste of something, like taste of banana, is is a vermut alla banana, which is too much. If you taste too much of uh, rhubarb, it's an amaro. So vermut shouldn't taste of anything but itself. The balance of all the ingredients. When you look back at your career with Koki, what's the proudest moment for you? Well, that's interesting. I think the... The proudest moment for me is to have been able to to survive difficult moments any company but especially a winery being longer than uh, 20 years survived uh, a series of obstacles can you imagine that uh, i mean we survived three or four generation change of generation is is sometimes dramatic sometimes complicated not very simple normally um we survived two world war even even uh, my family winery we had uh, Nazi and partisan uh, coming and, and raid the winery several times. So this is also part of uh, survival. So, and I would say that um, the pride of bringing the winery and the product to the next generation, when you have this perception, yes, that's a reward. Where do you see Vermouth going in the next 10 years or so? Uh, I should ask you. I know, right? This is my question. <laughs> this is my question. If I know it, <laughs> I would have a more precise plan on what to do. Um, I will try to answer. Uh, again, as we said, the market can be very different. Some are still kindergarten. Someone else are already university. So for sure, what I see is that all the kindergarten will become universities. What university will become, this is the question. So I know that we have some time to bring all the smaller and new markets to, to be a university style. Um, through this, it will happen that producers will be more and more organized and they will spread around. I mean, like in Singapore, there are three vermouths. Come on. How many gene you have? Gene you have uh, yeah, a huge... Of course. Yeah. So it's going to happen that in Singapore you will have uh, more than the two or three vermouths you have mm-hmm. today. I'm glad to be one, but uh, I mean... I encourage all your colleagues to have at least five labels. Of course, you have to create a market for this, mm-hmm. but, but uh, I, uh, sharing is the motto because sharing is building also a bigger market. So we don't share what we have, but we share the energy and we split the result in, in more labels because the beauty is, is to choose. And uh, the exercise for a producer is to be chosen. So I, I'm putting my effort to be chosen, but... Uh, You know how many times it happened that, uh, especially in the wine, that you are the only wine producer in their area. You know what's going to happen? That you need to push someone else to come in the area to be at least five or six. Because how can you the best between you and, Nobody <laughs> and yourself? Else, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the best of two? Where's the competition? Where's the fun? So I want to be the best among all, or at least 10 remotes. Mm-hmm. That's my promise and my exercise. As a producer, I will be the best of 10 producers. I can't be the best of myself, you know? Well, you can, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, but come sad, on. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, again, and this is good. I encourage producers to spread around to make the best possible vermouth, and this would push me to be even better. What market reacted better to Koki? Like, where did you go with your, like, say, you launch new vermouth, and you know for sure that this is going to be my base market from where I can build? Well, for several reasons, talking about the size, uh, well, United States is our main market. I think that any single uh, American bartender knows cocky. Uh, I, I'm sometimes embarrassed and touched by this. 
uh, England, uh, London is the place where the trend also starts. Uh, they influence each other, but they have their own life. But historically, that's that's uh, the parallel of the two. Um, I would say that I see booming new uh, new place. I uh, I from today I have the feeling that Singapore will be probably another center of the world, and is coming and happening in such a short time. Fast pace. Of course, man, any place. But uh, for some reason, Singapore, it will be a, a, a market to watch. You mentioned your daughter. She joined uh, the family business. Yeah, well, I was uh, able to hire her. <laughs> she was... Uh, uh, this girl was... was uh, it's a nice, uh, shy girl, but she was teaching for two years uh, the future to board of director mm-hmm. in a company called Accenture, which is quite a big company in the world. And, uh, and so I told her, listen, oh, can I hire you and teach me the future you were teaching to this big uh, corporation? So she came on board and she showed to have the same passion. She's, uh, she's very precise. So I got a compliment about her uh, at least twice a day everywhere I am. So I, I, I think we are in a good, <laughs> good hands. Um, she, she decided also to enter the challenge. So she's got her own exercise, the project called the Chazalette because she entered in touch with the family Chazalet, who are one of the oldest established, uh, they were one of the oldest established uh, permit producers in, in Torino. And she's been working with them to bring back to the market this recipe. So we bought the book of recipe, we bought the old archives, and we even got a collaboration of an old man, uh, Giovanni Chazalet. Uh, and they brought back these uh, three vermouth, which were the vermouth of the royal house. With uh, the certificate, uh, we have the, the right to use the Queen Mother and the Queen and the Princess crest. And it was a phenomenal cultural exercise because uh, uh, it's like bringing back from 150 years ago the flavor of the, the royal cult of Piemonte uh, back to life. They were being discontinued in the 70s, by the way, so it's not that, okay, long, okay, not okay. that long ago. But uh, using the, the Bava expertise and the original recipe there, we produced another three totally different wine uh, and vermouth from, from Cocky. So they go by themselves, and Francesca is on top of it. The thing I find very interesting, though, is when people say they find this old recipe, how, how difficult is it to take an old recipe and make it relevant for today's market? Oh, it's difficult. If you do it properly, it takes uh, more than one or two years. It took a while for us to work on this because you have to rebalance, etc. It's for us. It was more an archaeological exercise, uh, more than a commercial. I mean, so understanding also the meaning, uh, how were the botanical at that time? Where were they coming from? How was the the flavor of the of the wine they were using? What which kind of wine was it? I mean, the wine hundred fifty years ago was different. Can we replicate the wine that was used 150 years ago? Uh, even botanical, for some reason, change uh, a little in, in one century. A recipe tell you, uh, normally give you a list uh, of ingredients. But how long did you extract uh, your rhubarb? Where did they get their Achillea Moscata? You know, your cardamom. Uh, it was 150 years ago. Where are they coming through Asia, from Africa, from where? In which condition did they came? I mean... It can be complex, or you can be very simple and you decide to make a, a story. 
Oh. But we are not that kind of people putting label and stories. We, we, we really are on top of it. So, so it was a precise exercise. And it was fascinating. The, the Chazalette red uh, vermouth, the La Regina, so the Queen Vermouth, was made with a red wine. So Rosso made with red wine, you, you, you believe it's normal, but it's not. All the red vermouth are made with white wines. So this was still is one of the very few uh, vermouth made with the red wine as a base. So it's fascinating. So and of course, we did the dry. The dry was so good. Uh, and as you know, cocky doesn't produce a, a dry. So. Uh, well. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Savoy, Savoy. <laughs> but would you say that vermouth with the time got drier? Because with cocktails, like if you look at recipes from like 150 years ago, they've got progressively drier until the, today, right? Mm, yes and no. The origin of vermouth was both dry and uh, sweet. Mm. What came after was a bianco. But actually, the very original uh, naming of vermouth were French vermouth, dry, Italian vermouth, or Torino, sweet. Then, uh, in, the, in the timing, we, in the time going, we, we, I don't know if to make it simple, but they were transforming in, in the three category. Rosso, bianco, dry. Mm-hmm. But originally they were um, French, Italian, sweet and dry. And uh, so um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a dry direction because uh, if it is made for cocktails, you need both. Yeah, no, but my question was more about, like, say you take the same style of vermouth, which is like a sweet, say, say we take a sweet vermouth. Was it sweeter, like 150 years ago, the same um, vermouth? Or? No, because once you say... 150 grams of sugar per liter, it was the same sweetness 150 mm. years ago. Okay. If it was dry, it was uh, 30 grams and that's it. Okay. So today you would do it again with 30, 30 grams. What, what changed, and that's interesting and, and it should be taken uh, into consideration, is, uh, is the way we preserve and we restore, etc. Uh, I would say that today the wine are much less oxidized and the vermouth the same way. I'm, I, I guess you can imagine to have this vermouth stored on, on shelves and, and uh, exposed to the sunlight and to different weather. I mean, the bottle open for long. This wine got oxidation very easily. Now we, we take care a lot. So I would say that you get more and more the, the botanical, the freshness of a vermouth today than at that time. Okay. So a question I ask to everyone to close. If you could choose a very last drink, what would that drink be? A very last normally is water, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <you> are, <laughs> someone choose for you the very last one. But again, let's be romantic. Uh, it's a Negroni. It must be a Negroni. I know, right? I used to work with a guy called uh, Francesco, and once he said that once you're tired of Negroni, you're tired of life. So, your last one is Negroni. You want to live more. I mean, it's the centering of Negroni. It's the perfect balance. It's the three ingredients. Uh, don't bullshit. Uh, come on. It's the perfect balance. I mean, and Negroni is a product where you can express your character, your style of life. It's a style of life. There are only two, sorry, only two cocktails where you can express your, your style. And you know the other one. Martini. It's no? the Vesper. You, you, you no, no, Vesper is a, yeah, Vesper is a Martini. martini. Yeah. It's a Martini, yeah. anyway. So, uh, James Bond and Negroni. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Roberto. It was amazing talking to you. Thank you. Ciao a tutti. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Roberto. 
You can find more content from us on YouTube and Instagram where we post our hashtag how to classic cocktails video where every week we show you how to make classic cocktails in less than a minute. We are unjiggered underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Bessa for Adrian. Thank you for listening.